everyone, and welcome back to Stand By Go, the theater podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. Today, I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, a local actress, Audrey Wells. Hello. Audrey, which Hello. is what I really call you. I very rarely Audrey, actually call you Audrey. Every time. It's, it's always Audrey. I don't know why. Yeah, why you got to have an accent with it. It's not real otherwise. Like why? I mean, I I don't know why I'm asking you why I do that, but I, I guess it's just fun to do. Well, it's also, I think of, I always think of Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. And like, that's how, I mean, that's how she talks. She talks like this. She's got Audrey. She's got, that's just, that's the gist of it. Maybe that, maybe that's, uh, at least it's that and not like Audrey. I can't get, deep <laughs> I, can't, like, I, can't, I can't get, I can't get deep enough for like Audrey, like the Audrey too. Feed me oh, Seymour, man. you know? Man, that would be funny. We, you could do like a, you should do like a rendition of it as like low as you can go, even if you can't get down to like the full octave. It's yeah. Fun. How have you been? Uh, I've been good. You know, yeah. it's been very, very strange doing this whole doing life, you know, in the midst of COVID. It's also yeah. been super strange because like, you know, we're used to having theater as an outlet and like now we don't really have that. So it's just kind of like watching musicals like Hamilton and yeah. um, oh, HD and stuff like that just to kind of get my fix until we can get back into the theater yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's very strange I, w- I don't think I'd be doing anything no we would have just started audition- yeah, we uh, rehearsals yeah we would have yeah. just started rehearsals like last week no which is um, really sad I was so excited about that show but fingers yeah me crossed too Amen. Yeah, I was too, because I, I realized it was actually my first musical I was actually in. Wait, what? You were just in The Wizard of Oz. You're talking about this year? No, no, no. Like, it was the first show I ever did. Oh, it was like the oh first musical. you mean like way back. Okay, yeah. I'm back. Well, well like, <laughs> I, did, yeah, I did two shows in elementary school, and they were technically okay. musicals. But the way it was, was like, it was everybody, like all the students and like different yeah. art stuff. So like we would act up until the song and then the chorus would get up and sing. I did that. I did stuff like that too. I did it like, we did that with my church. I was very active in our um, church musicals when I was growing mm. up. And it was like, we would always do, it was, it literally, it literally felt like little like vignettes. And then like everybody stood still and straight and sang out in front of everyone. So like the children's ministry director could like give you the little motions and like sing the words to you, like from mm-hmm. the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel Yeah. So I did that for two years and then I didn't do anything in middle school because I think I thought it was too cool for school to do theater. Um, oh, and then like my first show I ever did that was a musical was Joseph. Oh, um, no way. That's so cool. Yeah, I sang, um, I don't remember who I was, like which brother I was, but I sang, the, there's one more angel in heaven. Oh, what a good song. That. Yeah. Um, I think I got it because I was one of the few people who can whistle on tune. Huh? So I think I got it because uh, I was one of the few people who can whistle on tune. I feel that. Yeah. So Whistling on before- tune is actually surprising a lot harder than, I, yeah. like, than you would imagine it would be. It's but. on my resume. It's on my acting resume. Wow. And whistle on tune. Anything you can add to that theater resume. Mm-hmm. It helps for that. It helps for spam a lot if you want to be Percy. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wow. Very versatile. So bef- 
Yeah, that, yeah. So before, before we get too far into the interview, um, I just have to tell everybody who's listening. Um, Audrey and I have been friends since Footloose, which was mm-hmm. not this January, not this January, but the January before. So like a year and a half, I guess. And we have been friends despite one very big like disparity in what we oh, enjoy. Man. And, and I'm, a, even, it, I'm even wearing a shirt to talk, to talk about it. And it even like, it took me a month before I like broke it to her that, <laughs> I, was a, that I was a Duke fan. And, uh, but you know, it's okay. I'm not as obnoxious of a Duke fan as I used to be. Um, well, and you're you, also you, probably you, one of the least obnoxious Duke fans I've ever met in my life. Like I know some obnoxious Duke fans. I like one of my dad's best friends will literally like every single time that like Duke plays Carolina and like Carolina loses, he'll send me like a Carolina, like some version of Carolina sucks, like in a text message. Like we won't talk any other time except for the, except for when Carolina loses to Duke. So I yeah. feel that. Um, and so, but like, like I always give like a little bit of a pass to those who went to Carolina. Like it's, you know, so like you went to Carolina you played in the marching band, so you're you've been out in this heat a lot, being in the marching band. Actually, we'll oh, talk man. about that here a little bit. Um, Let's but yeah, so I'm just putting that out there uh, that uh, I'm friend. Uh, you are able to be good friends with a Carolina fan if you are a Duke fan, and vice versa. So it's possible, people. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Although, no. The only the only person who um whoever sends me anything that's like Duke disparaging is Dylan. He'll be like, Probably, "Oh, this is hilarious." He's got to defend. He's got to defend me. You know, he's got to defend his girlfriend's honor. That's that's just what you do. It's a, a good man, friend of the podcast, <laughs> Dylan Giles. First episode. Had to get down there. Go listen now if you haven't already. Absolutely. And so, um, also one more thing is, is he still in the room? Is Cooper still in the room? Uh, yes. Cooper is still in the room. He's Cooper. We got to get Cooper oh, is he in chilling here. chilling out? Ah! There he is. Cooper. Okay. For those of you who are not watching, who are listening, this is Audrey's dog, Cooper, who is the coolest, cutest he's, dog. Out there. He's a cute little tricolored beagle. He's almost four. His birthday's this month. Oh wow! He's my little old man. Absolutely. I'm beeping everywhere. That is okay. That is okay. Yeah, sometimes Zoom likes to beep and computers like to beep, but we just keep on going. Keep on keeping on. So, let's actually get into uh, an interview. How about that? Um, So, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about you and like how you got into theater? Okay. Um, So I've always been kind of like in the creative vein, uh, um, kind of, so to speak. I started out, like I said earlier, doing theater and like music with my church when I was very, very young, just kind of getting my feet wet with that. Um, I did chorus when I was in elementary school. We had like a, like a advanced kind of chorus that our music teacher like picked people out to do stuff. Um, And then when I got into middle school, I didn't really do theater. Uh, because I became a band nerd, which you said we we're going to talk about. So I'll just uh, keep it to that. I played the flute and the piccolo. Um, and I played the flute in middle school. And then in high school, I played the oboe. And then in college, I played the piccolo in the marching band. And then I got to be drum major both in high school and in college. Um, 
But when I was in high school, my first musical experience ever actually was I got to be um, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, which was super cool for me. It was like, I, they, I saw that they were doing The Wizard of Oz and when I was growing up, it was like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies. And I had never done theater at, at my school before, but I was like, it's second semester of my senior year. I was like, I've got to try. I mean, I've got to at least audition for it. And I got it, which I was incredibly shocked, but um, I had the great fortune of working with um, our high school director, who is now the artistic director at um, the Flat Rock Playhouse. So we were able to like, you know, we got Flat Rock Playhouse um, set to help us build our sets. They helped us get our costumes. And it was like a really, it was a really high quality production for our very small um, high school in Hendersonville. Um, yeah, and then like I said, I did um, band in college. I dabbled a little bit in theater, never really got anywhere with that though. And then when I graduated from college, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And when I was living there, I was kind of like a fish out of water in a way. Like I didn't have a lot of people that I knew there. And, you know, there's not really many avenues for people to do band once you graduate from college, unless you want to like join like a community symphony or something like that. And honestly, I'm not that good at an instrument <laughs> for me to be able to do that. So I was like, well, I might, I might as well just give this a try again. And so um, I auditioned for the nerd which is um i can't remember what the playwright's name is but it's an old comedy from like the 80s and um i got cast i mean it was the first show that i'd auditioned for in years and i got cast as clearly a waldgrave um my claim to fame in that show was i broke our prop table because there was one point in the show oh my gosh okay so there's one point in the show where um so my character was like this very very high strong um woman who she was like a special education teacher. So she dealt with like, she dealt with kids all day. And then she came home and she had this terror of a child that was like, that literally just like ran around, kicked people, like ran away, like ran on and off stage, completely crazy. Her husband was like very, like a very rude kind of like corporate man. So she's like this very uptight woman that like keeps it all in this little box. And so there's this one point in the show where she like, um, where she just loses it. Like she just, she goes crazy. And um, one of the characters hands her a saucer plate and she literally pulls a hammer out of her purse and like crushes up the saucer plate with a hammer on the table. And there was one night where I was just like super into it and I literally like hit the, I hit the table so hard that it like broke the underside of the table. Um, and our director came up to me afterward cause it was actually her table and I didn't know that. And she was like, well, you get the good actor award because you were so into your character that you broke my coffee table. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. So, but so it was a table on, like it wasn't the prop table. It was a table no. that was on stage. Oh, okay. Okay. That's still impressive. As a prop. Yes. Gotcha. It was like, there was like a huge hole in it. We used it for the rest of the show. I mean, we didn't have another table, so we had to, but Yeah. That is, um, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah, it was it was probably one of my favorite experiences of that show. The rest of the people like never the rest of the cast like never let me live that one down. So that one that as was they shouldn't. I mean, anyway. So um, yeah, after that, I um, continued doing theater because I was like, this is fun. I might as well keep this up. Um, so the next show that I did was with the Davidson Community Players, which is over in 
So it's just outside of Charlotte where Davidson College is, like that little town. They've got a really, really cute um, little theater and a really nice um, company there. And I got to do Steel Magnolias, which um, for most Southern women, that's like a, like a dream show. Just because that movie is like, it's one of my, I mean, the movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's got, you know, Sally Field, Julia Roberts. Um, who else is in it? There's some, Olymp Olympia Dukakis and um, just so many, so many wonderful people. And so I grew up watching that movie. I could probably quote that movie to you like word for word. I've seen it so many times. And, I, and, so and I know I, you, and I know you can, because I was there, <laughs> I think, was it the, was it the first time Dylan had seen the movie or something yeah, like that? It was, yeah, it was the first time that Dylan had seen so the movie. So it was like, it was like I you, was me, told. Dylan. Yes. Yes. You, we, the, we went out to eat. I remember this now. Yeah, it was we after a rehearsal. Out, we went out pizza, to eat yeah. and he was like, and he was like, I've never seen that movie. You're like, we're going to watch it now. And so Which like, I mean, we, for someone who has like 1500 VHSs in his collection, like how have you never seen one of the most classic Southern films that's ever been yeah. created? Anyway. It's very fun to watch you watch that, that movie. It's like, so good. Well, I mean, you, also, you, so you say all the lines, you say all the lines, you cackle and laugh. Like it's the first time you've ever heard them. And then you ball your eyes out. And it's, it's like I a mean, roller coaster just watching you watch that movie. Well, okay, so that show is so special for so many reasons, right? Because, like, if you take a look at the show itself, so the movie that I love so much is based on the play. And the play was written by this man. So, first of all, it's a, the play is all females. So, first of all, go women. Sick. It's, like, it's one of the very few, like, female-powered-driven sh shows. And it's, like, each one of these women is a, or it's like a very strong woman that's in a different chapter of her life going through different things. So for me, on that level, it's very easy to like find, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, you can find someone to relate to in that show. So that's really special to me. What's even more special is the man who wrote it. Um, his name is Robert Harling, and he wrote it as a tribute to his sister and as a way to kind of process his grief for losing his sister. So his sister actually died from um, complications due to diabetes. And um, he wrote this play in the 10 days after she passed away. And it was really cool because like, I was kind of skeptical when I found out that it was written by a man. But then like, I kind of, I listened and listened to some of his interviews and read some of his interviews. And essentially like, this was, he was kind of a fly on the wall witnessing like how each person in his family like was processing the grief of, you know, you know the loss of his sister. And he said that one thing that was really striking and kind of inspired him was that at the wake after the funeral, there were like two rooms of people, right? And one room was the men and the other room was the women. And here in the room with the men, everyone was just kind of like, you know, somber and sad and didn't really know how to like talk to one another or, you know, really talk about her or anything like that. But then you went into the kitchen and like all of the women were just laughing and telling stories and like just, you know, kind of being the people that, you know, his sister would have wanted them to be. But then when a man came in the room, it completely changed. Right. And so like, for me, it's so cool that he was able to like take that and like, you know, really build a character out of his sister and his mom and like the, the women in the town that kind of like helped them get through that. And it's just, it was so special. And the women that I did it with were like, such an amazing group of people. Like I still talk to them and still keep up with them to this day. I mean, it's just, 
there's also it's funny because there's a curse with this with steel magnolias because the way that it is is like all of the women are supposed to be like very close knit but what ends up happening a lot of times in that show is that like you know someone doesn't learn their lines or someone doesn't do this and like you know they end up hating each other by the time the show is over like that's a curse that like a well-known curse for steel magnolias but like that just didn't happen with us you know like we we did have our struggles. I mean, there are I, any show you have, you're going to have a couple rough rehearsals, but like, I can honestly say that like, after doing that show, I still love all of those women that I did the show with. And it's just so special. It's probably one of my favorite shows I've ever done. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> well, um, no, it's, it's really cool. I didn't know the history of, first of all, I didn't know that the movie was based on the play. I didn't know which one yeah. came first. Um, but I didn't, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure, don't yell at me, I'm pretty sure when I watched it with you was the first time I'd seen it all the way through. Uh, I mean, it's like, I guess I have to like, I have to temper my expectations, I guess, when it comes to men, especially because like, and I don't want to say that, but like, it's more, it's a more feminine movie. And so like, I think everyone should see it. There are valuable things for both men and women in it. However, most, it's more, you're more likely a woman is more likely to have seen it than the man in a lot of cases. But I made you watch it and you enjoyed it. So that's what matters. I, I did enjoy it. I, I liked the movie and I liked the show that was happening, you know, with you on the couch laughing and crying to the movie. So who were you again in that? I was Shelby. So I was the, I was the, the sister. Um, the one. So it was really fun. Um, one, so one of my that show is so taxing in a lot of ways because like Shelby, she's the lead character. Even she dies in the third act. That's not a spoiler. You had time to see it. She dies in the third act. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you've had a little while to see the movie. Yeah. There's been enough buffer time that like you should have seen it by now. Um, anyway, so there, she goes through like these like really high, like these really high highs and these really low lows. And, um, one thing that I will never forget is, so the way that this stage was set up in the theater that we were in is I was able to see everyone, like every single person, like it, like from the stage, which is not normal. I norm, you're normally not able to see everyone. So I remember. Yeah. And it's, it's also not fun. I've, oh I, gosh. I've done, no. I've done that. I've done it, that. For so emotional. Sure. Oh, okay. So there was this one, so there's this one moment where, um, so in the second act of the play, Shelby, who was my character, she is trying, she's trying to tell her mom that she's pregnant. Um, and like Shelby has wanted nothing more than in her life than to, you know, be a mother and to like be pregnant and to like, have that going for her. And um, her mom, instead of being excited and joyful for her, like immediately starts to worry. She's like, well, she's like, you're diabetic. Do you know how dangerous it is? Do you know, like, do you know everything that could go wrong? And I will never forget this moment. So the way that it was staged, um, the woman playing my mother was right here. And then I came to her, she was like sitting in a chair, like right here. And so like, I came to sit by her right here. But then when I looked up to like look out instead of looking at her, cause I was like, it was like, I was emotional and trying to come up with words. My mother was sitting in my eye line, my eyesight. Ugh. And there's this one line and like my mom is crying, mind you, my mother is crying. And there was this one line that always sticks with me. 
And um, she's talk, Shelby's talking about how badly she needs her mother's support and how badly she wants her mother to like be happy for her and to help her through this. And she says, I'd rather have 15 minutes of wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special. And I remember I said that line and my mom like sobbed. Like I could see her openly weeping and I'm like, you gotta stay in character, Audrey. You gotta stay in character. Don't break, you can't do it. And then um, after that, my dad came up to me after that show and was like, I'm not gonna lie, Audrey, it was really rough. Even though you didn't die on stage, it was really rough to like know that like your character died and that you didn't come back. And I was like, I know dad. And then he was like, he was like trying not to be teary. And he was like, I'm proud of you, sweetie. And I was like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't. I don't, I don't have the capacity. That's great. That is great. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think I'd like to see that show on stage. I think it, now that I know it'd be, it'd be an interesting one to, to see. Oh my gosh. The whole thing takes place in the, in the salon too so like you know how when we watch the movie there's like the difference between so like the movie takes place in the town right and it includes the men the the play literally only takes place in the salon and so like every act there's like a different like there are a different set of decorations to show like the passage of time or like what season it is and stuff like that oh it's so good i would love to do that show again like I, I would honestly love to like throughout my life, like be every single character in that show. Mm-hmm. That would be so fun. To yeah. Me. Yeah. I think there's some shows that I would enjoy. Well, most of the shows that I would do again, um, I would be somebody else. Like, yeah. like, of course, like That's if I were to do Charlie Brown again, I'd want to be Charlie Brown. Um, but yeah, like, I want to do, I want to, I want to do Fiddler again, but I want to be Tevia. I want to do, like I would do Hello Dolly again, but I would be Vander Gelder. You did Hello Dolly? I didn't know that. Oh, uh, this is yeah, this is back in my hometown. It's back in oh, Fayetteville. Oh, neat. Yeah, I did cool. like I did like six years in a row where I did like their musical, and it was like it was like oh, Fiddler, yeah. it was Fiddler, Music Man, Guys and Dolls, Hello Dolly, then um, uh, Annie Get Your Gun. So whatever that is, that's how many oh, musicals I did there. Oh, show! I would love to do Andy Get Your Gun. Yeah, oh, I was I was Buffalo Bill Cody, which is like the. <laughs> oh, I love that. Which is like the nice. one time that my that my typecast has um, has worked in my favor. Are you typecast? I'm I'm, I'm typecast. typecast. I'm I'm typecast in my old theater. Not so much anymore, but like my, that theater that I, did, I was, I, I was the announcer guy. I was the big announcer guy. I don't think I have, I don't think that I'm super typecast. I know like the shows that I've been in at ACT, I've like played an older woman in both of them. I think that that's mostly because I don't act like I'm a 20, like a young 20 something, I guess. Um, but I mean, then when I went and did um, Arsenic and Old Lace at Heart, I got cast with someone in my age group. So I mean, I don't think that I'm super typecast. I don't know that anyone would ever cast me as a villain. I've, I've thought about that. Like, I don't think I don't think that people could see me as a villain, and so I don't <laughs> think that it will happen for me. <laughs> Do you take that as a compliment, or um, like, that I that couldn't you, play a villain? Just that I mean, you like look so nice and. And uh, I mean, I guess like 
<laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's it's cool. However, <laughs> I mean, like, there I are some like villain roles that I would like love to do. Like Ursula, what a good villain. Yeah. Also, the witch in Into the Woods, like also an incredible villain with like a really good story arc. So, I mean, there are villains that I would like to play, but like, I'm not mad that people think that I look nice. Like, <laughs> like I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know how I would take it if somebody came up to me and was like, you look like a bad guy. Like, <laughs> like, no, but there are people like my door. My, oh, sorry. Cooper just like slammed the door shut with his nose. I'm gonna let him out real quick. That's fine. Like, Do your thing. Okay, but back to the question. I think that there like are people who like look like a villain. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I'm trying to think of like a good actor example. Oh man, my mind is completely okay. No, the guy that played. Um, did you watch Sherlock? Like the British Sherlock? Uh, yeah, I cut like a couple episodes, but. Okay, so the guy that played the villain in that, Tom Moriarty, like he looks like a villain. Like, like there are people that like consistently get cast and but like, who is another one that gets cast? Like Heath Ledger got cast as a couple villains. Like he looks like Michael Keaton is not a great example because he's played both. Like he's played heroes and villains, but like lately he's gotten cast as a lot of villains. And so yeah. like, yeah, I watched, I watched two of the three of those Batman movies. Uh, but the second one where Heath Ledger was the Joker and he, yes. he was just so good as that role. Yeah, dude, okay, if I, there was, a, there was a thing going around on Facebook for a while where it was like, if you could bring back any two actors, like, who would it be? And 100% Robin Williams and Heath Ledger, man, that's it, that's the two, I would bring them back. Heath Ledger was such a loss for him to be so young. He was so talented and had so, so, so much going for him. I miss him a lot. I th yeah, I think he's like, I think he's one of those, like, warnings like don't be such a method actor oh yeah <laughs> that was I I mean, that was his downfall like yeah like he I mean, was he really good so, at it but yeah so terrified of the role that he created yeah yeah i feel yeah, that so don't don't be so method that you can't get out of the out of the character that you are unless you're playing a nice character i guess then you can <laughs> yeah you can be it. as nice Bring as you can like all the time <laughs> No, I I also would love to play um would love to play some bad guys. Uh Who's like your top villain character like that you want to play? Stanley from uh Streetcar. Oh man. Is Stanley a villain though? He's kind of a villain. Okay, I could see that. Stanley's a good character. <laughs> yeah. All right. He he's I mean, like no one in Streetcar is good. You know what I mean? Like none yeah. of the characters. Well, are the good. wife. The wife isn't bad. He's all right. She? She's got her own issues. Yeah, but I mean, everybody does. Everybody has issues. Everybody makes mistakes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just I want to play. I want to play a villain so well that I get booed when I come out for a curtain call. Like that uh, is my see, goal. I feel like that's like everyone's goal whilst playing a villain. My mom does that. My mom will do it. If somebody plays a villain so well, she'll like applaud, but boo at the same time. She'll be like, boo. I'm just like, boo you. You're so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was like, and it, Paul did a really good job playing the villain when we did Hands on a Hard Body, 
Like, mm-hmm. I love Paul Gerber. Paul Gerber is a great fella. Really kind, really sweet. Love him to death. But man, when he was playing Benny, what a jerk, man. What a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple, my mom, I remember my mom and dad saw the show the first time. And they were like, is that guy that plays Benny, is he actually nice? And I was like, yeah, he's like a super nice guy. Like, I really like him a lot. And they were like, wow, he plays he plays a bad guy like really well. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah he does. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's it's odd. Like, I feel like people who play bad guys are typically good or like nice. Like going back to thinking of people I know who've played like yeah. antagonistic shows, they're actually very nice. It's just they're also. Well, I mean, it's probably also background. like you can like as a nice person, you can channel what everything that you don't like when people do those things, and you're like, that's what I'm gonna do. Like, because yeah. if you're automatically not a nice person, then like you don't have the like you don't have the thought to be like, well, what do people not like when, or what do I not like when people do? Because they probably mm-hmm. think about like nice things that people do. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would also I would also love to play. While this guy is a bad guy, he's also very funny. Um, but okay. Captain Hook. Oh, Captain Hook again, really fun. again. I think that I, he's like a comedic relief role. He's yeah, a comedic but you also hate him. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. I would, that would be fun. Peter Pan would be a really fun role to play. However, I am like 5'9 and not small. So that would never happen for me. But I can dream. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, um, like, one of my dream roles, as you know, is uh, The Beast in Beauty and the Beast. And um, when I auditioned for, when I auditioned for it a um, long time ago, the girl who was like, it was obvious that she was going to get Belle was my height. She was my height in flats. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's, there's no way that I can, I can be the beast. Like I had it vocally. I had it acting wise. um, But your Belle can't be taller than your beast. And I was just like, however, I have noticed, that is one thing that I've noticed. It is almost, it's really hard being a tall person, or t- excuse me, a tall woman in theater because like I'm the average height of like an American man. I literally looked it up the other day. Like the average height of an American man is 5'9". So like I, it's hard. Like I remember, so when I, my first show in Nashville, I did um, Snowbound, which was the Tom Godleski um, Bluegrass Christmas show. Um, the first one or the second one? The second one. Okay. Um, so I I got to play Sarah, and the guy, the fellow who got cast um, as what is his name? Jack. I think the male's name is Jack. Um, so he, John Ross, he was a really fun. Um, he was a really fun co-actor to um, to act beside. He was five seven. And so, and I'm five nine. So there was automat. There was already like a discrepancy. And then our costumer put me in heels. So I was like five eleven, and he was like five seven. And then there was this one time when he had like then that like we like okay. So like the character arc is that like uh, we are so in love. We're stuck in this. Um, we're stuck in this train station overnight because it's snow. We're snowed in, and we sing this song about how like we're each other's favorite person 
blah. And then he's like, I can't wait anymore. Will you marry me? And like we, like he proposes and I obviously say yes. And then we kiss and it's a whole thing. But there, so we had to like literally get used to like the, the height difference whilst kissing because there was one time where like he went up and I didn't and like I kissed his chin and it was a 50s, it was, took place in the 50s, so I had, like, bright red lipstick on. Thank God it was a dress rehearsal, because, like, he had, like, this nice, like, red lipstick line, like, right there on his chin. So, like, for the rest of the, like, the rest of the scene or the rest of the show, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're so in love. Here, let me get that off your chin. Like, like that whole thing, like, trying to get the red lipstick off. It was a nightmare. But anyway, yes, the perils of being tall in theater. Yeah, my my problem is that I am I am comedic relief height and not love and not male love height. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm 5'10. Dylan's 5'10. I think we're the same height. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um and but like I yeah, I've I've just like comedic relief. I mean, which is not the worst role ever. <laughs> like like the comedic relief roles are normally pretty good the like josh gads of the world like i would do anything josh gad has done <laughs> you can be oh my god um yeah also no, gaston would be gaston would be an amazing um uh, villain role any too. villain could be gender bent i would love to be gaston <laughs> that's my i think that Gaston is my favorite villain song in like all of Disney history. What a good song. I would love to be Gaston if we ever like just gender, gender bent Beauty and the Beast, which would be a lot of money. So it probably will never happen, but I can dream. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and I didn't see a gender bent one, but I did see one where the height of Gaston and LeFou were switched. So Gaston. Oh, that's- he was a he was a really short but super like buff dude like he was a wrestler like, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the lefou was like six two and this little lanky kid oh that's incredible because that adds it was like hilarious. in my mind that adds like that much more to like to gaston's mm. ego issue oh that's incredible i would have loved and it. i and i think they still kept in the line where he says he's six three which made it even funnier because it's like he is just like this guy with a Napoleon complex of like, yeah, I'm six three. What are you gonna do about it? It's like, buddy, you're five eight. And they're like, no, I'm six three, and I will beat your tail if you tell me I'm not. Fight me about it. That's funny. It was also one of the craziest uh, thing I I've ever seen because they did the fight between Gaston and the Beast, and he yeah. literally like they blocked it for him to kick. Gaston off the stage. It was it was about as high as ours is at ACT, and yeah. they did one of those like like monkey flip things where the beast was on his back and they kicked up yeah, 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 yeah. and he went flying off the stage. But yeah, they had a mat and everything. But st- it was it was incredible. It was hilarious. Um, yeah, I can't think. I'll, I'll think of other villains, but like. Yeah, I, I want to play a bad guy just once in my life. Same. Just Same. Once. Even if it's, I could be, like, that's what's fun about, like, because I'm always, like, I could be a, convi- I've talked to Dylan about this. I'm, I'm, like, I could be a convincing villain, Dylan. I can do it. I could be a villain. And he's, Does like. He just laugh at you about it? 
huh? No, he's like, he's like, I know you can. And I was like, I will. That doesn't help me that you know. Not a, no one else knows. <laughs> I get, I go into existential crisis about it, but it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. You still, have, you still have time. You're in your young twenties. I've got you plenty still, of time. You got nothing but time. time. See, also there are a lot of cool like. That's another thing for women. Like a lot of the villains that are women are like older. So like I'm just I'm in my I'm on my way to the sweet spot for that. So we'll see what happens in the future. If I could write a musical, like if I had the ability to write a musical, I would write one with like a bunch of like villainous women. Oh, yeah, man, let's do it. We can. Yeah, we would it. need someone that can write music because I can't do that. But I, I mean, like I could I could help you like. We could write a book. We could write the book for it. You know, we mm-hmm. could write the script. We could we could make a plot, and yeah. then find someone that knows how to do music. Yeah, well, let's just like call up Alex Lackamore. I'm sure he has nothing to do. I'm ready. Let's go. I'm sure he's got plenty of time. I'm sure. I'm sure he will. Uh, he'll be. Yeah, he'll be fine. I'll I'll, I'll get him on the podcast. You know, we'll talk about it. Let's just call Lin Manuel. I'm sure that like I can just DM him on Twitter and like we'll get that yeah. going. Right, right? Yeah. Well, I've already I've already invited him to come to the. To the podcast so we'll see if that oh, nice. i mean awesome. not like not like not like directly like through the podcast maybe <laughs> okay. i should but okay. i mean obviously over the last three weeks i've done a lot of hamilton like research and yesterday i watched a ton of like or i listened yeah. to a ton of like lin-manuel podcasts on hamilcast which is a really nice podcast if you haven't listened to it um yeah. but they were playing around uh this was like four or five years ago and the person who did the podcast, her husband and Lynn were just like hanging around and they were listening to the beastie boys and they were like, Oh, we should, Oh, we should do like a beastie boys barbershop type stuff. Like turn their music into barbershop style music. And then they, and then they joked around about having Alex Lacamoire like write the music. Yeah. And in the next episode, they played a clip of a video that Alex Lacamoire sent them of him working on a Beastie Boys barbershop stuff. <laughs> like while he was in London helping wow, that cast. That's great. I need to watch that. It's an amazing really podcast. Good. It has like, it talks all, everything Hamilton, and you bring, everybody comes on it. They've had episodes with, you know, Lynn's Cabinet, which is... Uh, Lynn Lackamore, Thomas Kale, Alan Blankenbuehler, N- not Alan, Andy. I don't know how to say his last name, but yeah, yeah. the choreographer. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I have to start listening to those. So, um, all right. So we left off on doing that one show that you did in Charlotte with the ladies. Oh yeah. So I did. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even finish my journey. <laughs> That's incredible. So here, um, so here's the road. We just did this. <laughs> now we're back. Now we're back. Now we're back. Tangent Turkey. We've done it. <laughs> um, we're, <laughs> we're back now. Um, so yeah, after I did Steel Magnolias, I uh, moved back to Asheville. Um, I started working for the Convention and Visitors Bureau, which is what I'm still doing now. Um, and yeah, I was like, this theater thing's pretty cool. I might as well, you know, keep that going. And so I, like I said, I did Snowbound. That was the first show that I did. I literally, I think I moved to Asheville in August and then I auditioned for the show at the beginning of September. And then like, I've been doing theater ever since. Um, I did Snowbound. Directly after that, I did Footloose, uh, which is where I met John. 
um, and I met a lot of really, really cool theater people. It was really fun. And then um, I did, uh, what is the next one? Oh, I did Hands on a Hard Body. That was fun. Hands on a Hard Body is like, I, I, I feel like I always have to explain Hands on a Hard Body because like, it's not very well known. And I think that like the name is like a misnomer in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Hands on a Hard Body is like, there are, there's, there's this group of people, it's based on a real story. First of all, it's like a documentary musical because we watched the documentary and it is, mwah, you should watch it, it's incredible. Anyway, so it's like there's this truck, which we literally loaded in a truck onto the set at ACT, it was awesome. Um, and so all of these people stand around this truck with their hands on it, and the last person to take their hand off win, or the, la the person who doesn't take their hand off. Everybody else has to fall off and like the whole musical is about like, you know, like each of these people and their personal life stories and like their struggles that they're going through and like each one of them falls off until the end when um, Dan Bechtold, sweet, sweet Dan Bechtold, I love him. Your, I played your husband. His, my yeah. husband, two times over. He was my husband in Footloose and then we were husband and wife again in um, Hands in a Hard Body. Um, I played his wife. Um, so he played this guy named J.D. Drew and J.D. is the one who ended up winning. And like the whole thing is like our marriage Spoiler. was struggling because like he was in the hospital and like now that he's home, like I thought that he would want to spend all this time with me and it feels like he doesn't. And so I sing this very lamenting country sad song called Alone With Me and I storm off the stage and I don't come back until he wins the truck and he wins the truck. Our marriage is saved. Ta-da, we've done it. It's such a wonderful show. Um, I would, it's, that's a really terrible explanation of the show, but that's the gist. Please go see it. Please watch the documentary. It's very much worth your time. Kiala Settle was in the original Broadway cast. Don't. So is, so is Hunter Foster. So was Hunter Foster. Yeah. Hunter Foster was the main villain guy. I would, that and, my friend Hawk And, um, Matthew Stern, who was episode three of Stand By Go was the production yeah. stage manager. Yes. Or one, of the, or at least one of the stage managers for the Broadway show. Oh, so. awesome! Yeah, cool. So take a listen to Hands on a Hard Body. It's super awesome. Also, listen to that episode that John was just talking about. You should do that. Um, also, okay. So back, uh, we're not going to tangent turkey again. I'm determined. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so the next show after Hands on a Hard Body, I did Arsenic and Old Lace over at Heart Theater, which is over in Waynesville. Got a lot of good friends over there. Um, I was Elaine Harper, and so if you don't know Arsenic and Old Lace, the gist of that one is um, there is there are these two old ladies that essentially like to poison old men with elderberry wine, and their nephew Mortimer finds out, and it's like this, and then there's also another like psychotic brother who likes to kill people. It's it sounds very dark and macabre, but it's a comedy. So this whole thing is just like. Um, I'm in, so my character is engaged to Mortimer and she kind of comes in to break up the action and like both of the acts and, you know, she almost gets kidnapped once. It's incredible. It was fun because it took place in the forties. So like I got to, you know, I got to, you know, victory roll my hair and wear bright lipstick and like do like, and kind of play with makeup and costumes and stuff. And it was just a really, really good time. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break, took a nice hiatus as it were. Um, and then I did um, Great Falls just right before COVID, which is um, a two-person play. 
It was down in 35 Below at ACT. It was directed by Chandy Callantine, who is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful human. Very, very talented director. Um, and so it's a two-person play. Um, and the characters, I'm going to use the word eater because I have to. Um, the characters' names are Bitch and Monkey Man. Um, and the story is kind of like these, so Bitch, the female character, was me. And she, so the play begins with her going on a road trip with her stepfather, her former stepfather, um, who is Monkey Man. That was played by John Hall, who is another very great, talented um, local actor that I really enjoyed working with. Mm -hmm. yep, um, yeah, he's a good, he's a great guy. Very, very talented actor. Um, so the story is that, you know, Monkey Man cheated on um, my character's mother and that relationship kind of broke up. But Monkey Man is trying to kind of like rekindle a relationship and kind of, um, you know, find a way through this hard time that they've both been going through. Um, you find out from, you find out later that my character was um, sexually assaulted. And so it's kind of them both trying to deal with their own traumas and their own issues while also trying to um, rekindle a relationship. It's probably the most serious show I've ever done. And, you know, it got cut short because of the coronavirus, which is really sad, but I mean, it was really taxing but it was really, I mean, it was really enjoyable. And I am really glad that I did it. It was really, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to do a show that really stretches me one of these days. Like, yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's rough. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. there was, there were a couple of times, like, so there's this very, this one very, very poignant scene in the second act of this play where my character essentially like she lays out her assault. And it's, I mean, the language is very plain and, you know, she, but like, what was very hard for me as a per, like, as myself was like reading the first time I read through that monologue, I cried. I mean, it was, it was, it was hard. It was really rough. Um, and then as I continued to read it, it was really kind of hard to separate myself from the character, if that makes sense. Because, like, my character's way of processing trauma was being, essentially being pretty flippant about it. She's like, yeah, this happened, and then this happened, and oh, yeah, by the way, this happened too. And, like, she's just kind of, like, trying to, you know, get it out there, let everyone know what's happened, but, like, kind of protect herself by separating herself from it. And, like, that's not how I process things at all. And so, like, it was very it was interesting for me to like be able to kind of take myself out of the character if that makes sense. And like actually be that other person, which like I was really the first time I've done that actually, which is, I know really strange to say, but like I have my method of acting is like, I've always tried to like find, um, like find a piece of the character that I relate to. Right. And like, then like take that piece of that character and then mold the rest of the character around that. So like you find common ground with your character and then you go and like, you go and like you figure, you figure out who the character is. And like, this was the first time that I didn't relate to my character. Like I didn't like, there were times where I did and like there were a few moments where I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I understand why she's doing it that way. But like, I would not, like I had to like, I, that was the first time I had to really separate myself and say, this is who the character is. This is who Audrey is. You can't act that like you can't, 
you can't let your character be affected by who you are. And it was really hard, but it was really, really fun. Yeah. And I think that like, that's a really great way to put that. Um, of playing somebody completely opposite of who you are. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really want to play a villain. Like, um, yeah, just being somebody, cause every, every show that I can think of that I've ever done, um, maybe except for one, I could see myself like that character is me. Like, I think that's why I yeah. want to play things that stretch, yeah. like, like even down to like, I know he's an animal, but like even down to the cowardly lion, like, like, I think it's their personality it's obvious. That match. Yeah, I think it's obvious that I'm the cowardly lion. Yeah. Like, it's uh, and and almost every role that I've done because, like I said, I was typecast as the loud announcer guy. I was I've always been like the big loud guy who can just happen to fill a room with my voice. Um, <laughs> and you no, know, I one time played a preacher who was uh, like physically disabled in in some ways and uh like he had like deformities and stuff like that and obviously i don't have like physically i couldn't connect to that but he was a preacher and i was i've i've been i'm a a pk but i was also been a youth minister and i've done three sermons before so like doing that and that's the that's the show in which i could see the entire audience because they actually turned the house lights on during my sermons which was quite interesting um Whoa. yeah well because the That's idea cool. was the idea was that um the the plot of the of the play it's um now i won't be able to think of the actual place but there's this place in california where it's like this town that has mm-hmm. no laws and it's not connected to any like city governance or any state governance or anything like that um and they're their own little community and the idea was when I got up to preach, um, I was preaching to the community and, and that the audience was part of that community that I was preaching to. So I was, so I wasn't just, I wasn't just preaching to the other five actors on the stage. I was preaching to everybody who was there and that theaters and that theaters and around and we did it in a thrust. So I had people all the way out, like from here all the way in front of me. And so, you know, I did the preacher thing where I, you know, where I would look and do this and stuff like that. But the first time they turned those house lights on and there were people watching, I was just like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but like even that's probably been the one role that I've actually had to stretch myself at at any point. And, but even part of that was me. So like, that's why I really want to play one of those like really evil villains like that people just hate. Um, yeah. Just once. Bill like I don't. He's hated villains in musical theater, I think. Yeah. All right. So say that again. You, you, uh, you like glitched out on me a second. Oh, I was going to say you could be Bill Sykes because Bill Sykes is one of the most hated uh, villains in the in musical theater, I think. Yeah. And now that I'm more of a baritone than I'm a tenor, um, I can definitely do more villain things because they are usually more baritones and basses than they are. They are lower. Yeah, for sure. So, um, cool. So I think we are caught up to like the last show that you did. And then we talked about the, what we would be doing right now. (laughs) We're caught up. We've done it. (laughs) 
I would be up, Joseph right now, which is unfortunate. Yeah, we would be Joseph. And you got you got cast as one of the uh, narrators, right? It's one of the narrators. Yeah, <sighs> I was so excited. Girl. The narrators are like one of well, so the way that Mark so Mark Jones was going to be doing that one, and he had this vision of um, having four narrators instead of one, which is what it's typically done as. So we could all be in like three part or four part harmony at any given time. And I was so excited. I'm just, I'm like, my fingers are crossed. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for next year, man. Cause like, yeah. that's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Such a good show. Um, so you mentioned it very briefly, um, but kind of explain like what you do for your 40 hour week. Cause you're not a professional actress. You don't do that to pay for the new house that that for the new house that you just moved into um so you have a so you have a so so you have a you know your 40 hour week job so tell us a little bit about like what that is and and what and what you do in that role um so i work for explore asheville which is the convention and visitors bureau for the city of asheville which for people who are not very well versed in tourism speak, which I assume is most people. Um, I essentially work for, um, I essentially work with uh, the organization that helps bring tourists to Asheville. Um, We kind of work to build economic vitality for Buncombe County by bringing overnight stays to the the city, which has been really difficult considering we've been in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, But typically um, I work as a marketing and public relations assistant which means that I work with the team that kind of works on our advertising, kind of builds out our content. So like if you go to exploreashville.com or um, you go to visit Asheville on Instagram or on Facebook or on, I think we have a Twitter, but like if you go to those, like I'm working on the team that helps, um, that helps run those. And then I also work 50% of my job is with the marketing side. And then the other 50% is with the PR team, which means that like I get to work with, travel writers and journalists that are either interested in coming to the to the destination or are working on a story about the destination so you know we help by you know aiding their site visits when they're coming you know making sure that they've got things to do they have a place to stay things like that or you know we're providing them insight saying like here are cool things to do in Asheville like here are the amount of James Beard nominated chefs that we have. Like here are the amount of breweries that we have in the city. And I also work on um, providing photos for them just so they can have something to accompany their story in that way. That's really cool. So you work for the people that like Asheville locals don't like because they don't like all the tourists. I do work for the people that locals don't like, (laughs) but it's okay. I mean, I under like I understand, but like there are also a lot of really good benefits to tourism. Oh, absolutely, um, which, <laughs> absolutely. Like, one, like, yeah, that's like one. Uh, I think the latest statistic that we um, came up with or that we found via research was um, one out of every seven jobs is supported by tourism. I mean, the amount of money that is brought into our economy through tourism every year—not this year, obviously, because of the virus—but you know, in general, it's just. Tourism is one of the big economic drivers in Asheville. And so I'm really, really honored to work with a cool organization that just works to, you know, kind of increase that economic vitality in any way we can. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't mind the tourists because I know, like, I know what it brings to this area, but I'm also not from here. Like I, I, I moved here like six years ago. So it's like, I mean, I'm a townie. 
that's one thing that like I like to tell people is like it's super interesting like I grew I was born I was born in town over like I was born in Hendersonville North Carolina I grew up coming to Asheville and so one thing that's been really really great for me as like as a grown professional and grown adult is like seeing how much Asheville has changed and how much it's grown and like changed in so many positive ways from when I was young to now like when I was growing up like we came downtown for one, maybe one restaurant in the French Broad Chocolate Lounge. But like now there are like, there are a plethora of restaurants that I have tried and loved, haven't tried but want to. And like, rest, like there are restaurants, like there are restaurants for every kind of, like every kind of person or every kind of taste that you're interested in. And it's just, it's so cool. I mean, yeah. I mean it's just, it's such a special place to be right now, I think. Yeah. I, I, I just don't go downtown very much. Like the only times I go downtown is when I'm going to the theater, which is yeah. luckily like on the outskirts of downtown. Yeah. But so it makes parking a lot easier. Makes parking a lot easier. Um, and I just know the times not to go downtown. Like yeah. any holiday weekend, don't go downtown. Like um, unless you're taking, unless you're taking some. You got to get downtown, man. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff you can do. For, and I think this might surprise some people, I am not as extroverted as I come across as. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not, not either, I'm not, I'm not a fan of being part work. of crowds. I'm not a fan of being part of a crowd. You put me I in front that. of a crowd all, all day, every day, but I'm not a huge fan of being part of a crowd. Um, but really a big thing is parking. And um, I have my parking tricks that I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm not going to let them steal it. But um, yeah, so I have my parking tricks and I don't, I mean, I don't mind it. Like I've never been somebody who's like, Hey, like if some, a friend of mine's like, Hey, uh, let's go downtown. Let's go. I want to go to Dobro or I want to go to whatever. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go. But if it's like, Hey, what do you want to do? Very rarely am I like, let's go downtown. Let's go downtown. <laughs> you know? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that typically, but it is, if, if you haven't been to Asheville, anybody who's listening, if you haven't been to Asheville, make sure it is on your list of places to go. Come visit us. It's, it's a so beautiful fun. place. Come during, come during a show. Um, there is so much theater in, in, especially in just downtown Asheville. There's so much theater. And so oh come gosh, catch yeah. a show with us, catch a show at Diana Wortham, catch a show with different strokes. Um, Post COVID of course. Yeah, not now. I mean, yeah, you can't get into our building. Um, like, I, I have a key. I have a key for the theater um, that, as a stage manager, and it it doesn't work. <laughs> they, I think they changed all the locks, so people like me want to try and get in, which was smart. <laughs> I mean, I probably would have tried to get in by now. Um, it was smart, but also still very sad. Yeah, I mean, it's right, it's, it's right here. It's right oh, you've got it ready to go. Well, it's, so, so I have two keychains. Like I have a, like I have a D ring that has like all my office keys and then this sits on it. But when I don't need it, I just take it off and it, and it's, it has my three important keys, my car key, my apartment key and my theater key. That's all I need. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Till Good. I can, I Important. Can, Not I, your mail key, but your apartment key and your car. Yeah, my mail key, my mail, my mail, my, my mailbox key is in my car. <laughs> it's oh, you keep it in now. the car. All right, great. Yeah. You're just always ready. Yeah, I'm good. I'm always prepared, as all stage managers are. Um, yeah, I've I've told them that I'm self like th this is the selfish part of me that I selfishly want to be the first stage manager back. Talk like, to Chad about it. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, so first of all, before I keep going, do you know the Instagram handle right off the top of your head for, for where you work? So that oh, anybody yes. wants to look. So the Instagram handle is at visit Asheville. Check it out. It's super cool. And then our website is exploreashville.com, which if you're planning a trip to Asheville, you can like check out our website and like we have a wealth of content about, um, you know, things that things to do, things that are coming up on the weekend. We also have this really cool hike finder. So like if you're interested in doing a hike, but like you don't want to go super far or like you don't want it to be very strenuous, you can like put in these little, like you can put in the, each of the things that you're interested in in a hike and it'll pull up things for you. So if That's you're planning awesome. a trip, you should head to our website because it's a pretty cool place to to be when you're planning a visit. Yeah, sometimes I find <laughs> I find Asheville to be like Netflix sometimes, which is a really weird like <laughs> parallel, but it will make sense in a minute. Like, have you ever like been like, okay, I want to watch something on Netflix, but they have so much stuff that you don't know what to do. Like you don't know what you want to watch. And yeah. so you just like, watch and, the- and like what's fun too is like you'll go and like be like, I have a very specific thing that I want to watch on Netflix. But in order to get there, you've got to scroll through so much stuff and you're like, ooh, that looks good. Ooh, I want to watch yeah. that. Ooh, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, and then so what you end up doing is just watching something you know is good instead of trying to find something. Yes. Sometimes that's how I feel about Asheville. Like, like I have a friend coming into town. Like this hypothetical, I don't have a friend coming into town, COVID. But um, like I have a friend coming into town and they're like, hey, let's do something. And I'm like, cool, there's a thousand restaurants here. I'm going to go to the one that I know is good. I'm not going to try anything else. Or like I can't think of anything else. Or people are like, hey, what is there something to do like downtown? I'm like, uh, see the theater. Like, there's this one place I know. Like I always say go to French Broad Chocolate Factory because it you have to um you have to uh yeah and but i just like i can't find sometimes i'm uh, there's just so much stuff to do in Asheville that um this is like a free commercial for Asheville, north carolina it is just visit us let your spirit run free guys yeah yeah It, it has stuff for everybody it has stuff who likes who likes the city go downtown great city bustling city um friday night drum circle like like the all Pritchard all the good stuff it's not happening now but it's a, it's yeah. a cool time and it's not but COVID. but it also has all the all of the stuff that the outdoorsy people want because we're right next to the blue ridge parkway it um, also has the comforts of a small town too mm-hmm. like you can go you can i mean like if you want to spend time in the city go downtown but you can also go to west Asheville, which is like a lot smaller and like a lot less daunting than downtown can be yeah and if anybody has ever heard like, oh, Asheville is weird, that's because of West Asheville. Like West Asheville is why it's weird. So <laughs> weird. keep Asheville weird, man. Keep Asheville weird. Also, if you like beer and like breweries, this is your place to go. So many breweries. Oh, so many breweries. There are so many breweries that like uh, that we've like talked about and sent journalists to that like I still haven't even been to. Like it's crazy the amount of breweries that are here. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's what you're into, definitely come here. Um, so we're done with the free commercial for, for, um, Asheville. So, well, for a a bit. So like you have, you have, first of all, your job sounds amazing. Um, that you get to write and, and talk about this amazing city that we live in. Um, and you know, it's your 40 hour week job, but how does that work with, 
Um, how does that work with like doing theater at night and stuff like that? Um, it's actually super easy. Um, because so when I first moved, the theater is like five minutes away from my office. So like when I first moved here, I was still living at home while I was trying to like get my footing and kind of find somewhere to live. So like I would literally like leave work, come downtown, go get a cup of coffee before rehearsal and then go to rehearsal. Like it's so easy. Um, and then now that I'm living in Asheville, so it's literally I'll get off work at five. I'll go home and check on my sweet little Cooper and then I'll come back for rehearsal and then just drive the 10 minutes it takes me to get home. I mean, it's super, it's super nice. Um, and also I've been very, very fortunate that, you know, since I work with such like a group of people that are like kind of minded towards, you know, creativity and different things like that. Like my coworkers are all very, very supportive of me doing theater. Like I've had, so when I did hands on a hard body, we did a preview night and, um, Jenny Bunn actually gave tickets to like my entire office. And so like my entire office came to see our friends and family night. And like, you know, my boss brought me flowers and, you know, everyone gave me a hug and told me like what a great job I did afterwards. Like I am very, very fortunate to work with a group of people that are so supportive of like my goals and my hobbies and things like that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something we have in common. Um, I can do an entire podcast on my boss and who knows I yeah. like one of these days um, and how, and how amazing she is about me and, uh, and doing theater, which is always really good to know that you have that support system. Um, yeah, absolutely. To, to do it. Um, yeah. And I guess I, I guess I did know just how close to the theater your work was, which is, which is nice. Cause I mean, the theater is, I could walk from the from theater my, or from my job to the theater and it would only take me like 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, my, mine's about a 10 minute drive and that's just because of traffic on Merriman, which is terrible sometimes. As what happens many times in live theater, uh, things go wrong. And that's kind of what this is uh, because I always try and do this in one take, but we had some technical difficulties and we had to do it in two. Uh, so enjoy the rest of the interview with Audrey Wells. So earlier you were talking about how uh, you were in marching band, both in high school and college. I guess I didn't realize that you were the drum major at UNC as well. Oh man, that was, yeah, that was okay. So my time at UNC, so before I get into this whole thing, I'm going to get emotional about UNC for a minute because, so when I was in high school, I grew up here like in Hendersonville and like, I didn't want to go to Carolina because I was really, really afraid that I was just going to get lost in like a sea of 28,000 people because, you know, there were like 200 people in my graduating class and like Carolina was so big and so far away. Anyway, so I ended up going obviously. And I think the band is the reason like why I fell in love with Carolina. Um, it's just like, it's just like, it's, it's like theater people in that, like, it's, they're just such a special group of people that are just like, they, we spend so much time together that like, you have to all, like, you're all friends. Like, even if you don't like someone in the band, like you're friends. Cause like you're together all of the time. And so like, I, that was such a really, spe like a very special experience for me. So when uh, the way that Carolina does it is you, so there are four drum majors each year and he only picks seniors. So the whole process for it is like, you go through the entire year, you've got marching band in the fall, you've got a basketball band in the winter. And then in the spring, 
we have their drum major auditions. So anyone who's interested in being drum major um, essentially goes up in front of the entire band and, you know, conducts whatever. And then they changed it to where people now get to vote. But like when I was drum major, it was a little bit of a vote, but it was mostly our band director's decision. Um, so I auditioned when I was a sophomore, um, just so I could get my name out there and like, kind of make sure that like he knew who I was and like knew that I was interested. Um, so I did it obviously get it cause I wasn't going to be a senior. Um, but I did get to be a pet band conductor, which was like good practice for, um, being the drum major, which was a really fun experience, a little fun tangent turkey side story. Um, when in 2016, I was, so I was a junior in 2016, which is when, um, UNC won the national championship, which, um, meant that, so we had obviously a band that was there at the national championship. I was not in that band. However, we also opened up the Dean Dome, which is where Carolina plays all of their basketball games. And so the Dean Dome was open to the public. So, you know, you had students, you had community members, all filling the Dean Dome, watching the national championship game on this huge screen. And um, well, actually, so we didn't win the national championship my junior year. We did win my senior year. Mm -hmm. However, um, so my junior year was when we was, so I got to be the, the conductor. I was the pet band conductor for the band that was at, um, that was at the, the Dean Dome. And it was like one of the craziest experiences ever because like sure. I could like like I can't like tell you the amount of energy that was in that room and so like I had like the highest moment of like my college sports fandom in like one moment and then like five seconds later it was like the worst okay so like we're in the Dean Dome I'm conducting like I'm conducting one of our numbers and like if you've ever seen me conduct I get very into it there are videos of me somewhere being really really ridiculous about it anyway um but so we had just like we were it was in the last it was in the last quarter um Marcus Page was like coming up from like he was coming up from behind me at Tide Villanova we were getting ready to go and so like Marcus Page made this unbelievable shot this three-pointer and everyone everyone rushed onto like rushed onto the court freaking out ready to go super jazzed and then the other guy runs across sinks that three-pointer and we lose the game Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna ask. Is uh, is where were you during that game? So you're well, you're in the I, Dean Dome during that game. I was in the Dean Dome, everyone had just rushed the court. We were all jumping and screaming because we thought we were gonna be able to go to overtime and like it was gonna be amazing and like we might win the national championship. It's incredible. And then the he sinks that shot. And like in the Dean Dome, you can hear a pin drop. It was insane. And so then the next year when we won, I was also, I was also the pet band conductor then. And like, I remember like crying. I remember like, I realized that we were going to win. And like one of my friends like had to get up and come hug me. Cause like, I was like literally sobbing, like that I was going to leave Carolina having a national championship. And he was like, are you okay? You've still got to conduct the fight song. Can you, are you going to be okay to do it? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Whatever. Everybody let's go. Come on. And you, were, and you were still in the Dean Dome for that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but yeah, so when I, so I got to be one of the four drum majors my senior year, which um, was, it's crazy because like 
you are on, so the Keenan Memorial Stadium is like a big like dome. And so like you are conducting a 250 person band in front of like all of these people that are like in the football stadium. But like, it was, it, I mean, it was a wild ride. It was, I mean, I, I love, I loved my experience. I loved the people that I was um, drum major with. And I mean, I just, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would highly, if you're a band nerd and like you enjoy like the thrills of like bat or like of sports bands, I would recommend auditioning for a drum major at some point in your life. It's so fun. I feel like I would have if I was in the band. Like if yeah. I was, if I, I wasn't, like if I wasn't an orc dork, I would have been, I was in, I was in the band. I probably would have, um, and I probably, sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, which is hilarious because we're talking about band. But um, like, I feel like I probably would have gotten it. I just feel yeah. like I, I, and I, I, I wonder, um, like because it, every time I see a marching, like you know, a drum major, there's a little bit of theatricality to it. Oh, there! Oh my gosh, there's so much theatrics to it. One of my fa- okay, so we had this one. So we had offensive cheers and defensive cheers. Mm-hmm. And so when we were on offense, there were like limited times where we can play, but I think it was when we were on offense. Anyway, either way, so one of the times we were playing, every time it was third down, we would play. We called it number twelve. It was when we were on defense. Okay, so we would call, we called it number twelve, and it was literally just a bunch of like overtone, long notes, chords that you hold out, and at the end it goes like dun 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 with the drums, and then you cut everyone off, and like it's this big last note that's supposed to be really loud and it's supposed to distract the other team so they get a fourth down. Okay, so I am extra. I don't know if you've gathered that about me, but like. No. So the way that our band director would do it is like he would, so he would like conduct and he would just go, he would just give the notes like this, cut them off, give the notes like this. And then like at the end, he would go like this and give the big note. I was like, no, 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 no. We're, we're in a stadium. People need to see what we're doing. So I would literally like throw my arm to one side and then throw my arm to the other side. And then like, and then like I would cut them all off and then I would do this big like swing my arms up and like go like this and for the last note and I cut them off okay it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite cheers it's really dumb that it's literally just a bunch of whole notes but it's so fun I don't know how to describe it to you anyway so I had conducted that in the first quarter one game and then this lady who was like in the box like in the season ticket holder box above us she literally came down to the band after halftime and like asked some, like asked one of the band members, like what my name was, mm-hmm. and then came all the way down to where like the where the drum majors stood, and was like, "Hey, which one of you is Audrey?" And then I was like, "That's me." My friend Katie like pointed me out, and I was like, "That's me." And she was like, "I just want you to know that my husband and I have thoroughly, like thoroughly enjoyed watching you conduct the band during the first quarter. It was my favorite part of the game, and I almost cried because it was so sweet. But yeah." Yeah. So. yeah, I think I would have just had all the fun that I that I could have out of that. Out of it, I probably would have also been extra. Oh yeah. Did you uh, did you ever play any schools that had like that had the show band? Um. So we played we played North Carolina A and T. So HBCU schools are really really well known for doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so they did. We did a show with them. Sort I was of. wondering. I was. I. I. I was. I was trying to go back in my memory bank, and I thought I remembered that that the Carolina band did a did like a 
like a show with a show yeah. band. Was was that yeah. you? Were you part of that? Yeah, that was us. Yeah, oh, was that's awesome. That. I, I think that was that was my junior year. Yeah. So we played. So when we played North Carolina A and T, we did like really early in the season. Yeah. So yeah. I think during band camp or like maybe during that week they were able to come and they taught it like they taught us like a like a dance because that's that's one thing that's so cool about um about at and t and like a lot of bands like that it's like they will literally stop their show and like they just break down into a dance number and it's awesome so it was very funny because like we so we started the show and then we did a middle number together and then a and t finished the show because they're incredible and like wow Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so in this middle number, it was very funny when you watch the video back because you could see how all of us UNC kids did not know what we were doing. And like all of the ANT kids were just like getting down and like, I mean, they knew the dance. I mean, like they had it. And like, I remember being in front of this one ANT person that was like, they had this dance down and I was on the struggle bus because I don't, I am not very choreographically <laughs> gifted or whatever the word is. But anyway, it was, um, choreographically gifted there's the word anyway um but it was it was a lot of fun yes we played with show bands i love watching show bands yeah if you haven't already so i went to um my high school didn't have sports so we didn't have a marching band um and also my college didn't have a marching band because we didn't have football which is you know interesting but um yeah so but at my hometown, there's like one of the best show bands in the state. It's from E.E. E. Okay. Smith. Um, they're, they have, they're called the Magnificent Marching Machine. They're like really well known, nice. uh, especially in the area. One, probably one of the best high school show bands like in the Southeast. They played a football game against a friend of mine who um, went to a different, a different school in the county called Cape Fear who was like one of the best, like, I don't know, traditional show bands, traditional like, band. like one year, like they won like grand champion multiple times in the year, yeah. their, their drum band, their drum line, uh, won first place in every single, every single one that one year they oh. won every single drum line of every yeah. competition they were in. Yeah. I went to that football game and it was the most amazing halftime show. Like, you know, like, you know how a lot of times, like in high school football, uh, which by the way, once it's back up and we can go, I think you and I need to go to a high school football game. That's cool. Let's um, do it. I'm but ready. like, you know how a lot of times in, in high school football, like halftime hits and like the only people who really stay in the stands are like the parents of the marching yes. band people. Yes, right? I, and, know. Right. I was a band kid. Oh. Yes, I know. Nobody moved. Oh, yeah. when, when this, when, when this halftime show was coming, nobody moved. Like, everybody was waiting for this marching event this halftime show was the most amazing thing i've ever seen um and the and so it's like the visitors go first right the visitors go first yeah so um e smith went out and did their thing cape fear high school was wet like i'm getting chills just thinking about this cape fear was waiting to go on their drum line was in the front and as e smith was coming off their drum line stayed and the two drum lines met Oh, they did a drum off on the field and did a drum off in like a respectful way. It was like one of those things where they where they were like respectful with each other afterwards, and I think they may have even played like the same cadence at one point. But it was like it was it was the best halftime show I've ever seen. It was amazing. 
Um, yeah, like, I mean, I love that I'm a bass player and I love, like, I was in the best orchestra in the county. Um, but there's a little part of me that wishes that I was in band so I could have done marching band. Um, cool. And so uh, let's go. I'm going to go to our speed round, which okay, are just I'll questions, which are just questions I'm going to ask. Yeah. Give me your answer. Um, if you want to like go into it a little bit, you can, but um, I have like eight, like six questions here. So um, what is your favorite? And most of these things are going to be like musical answers, but what is your favorite show? Uh, oh God. Um, the first one that came to mind just now was Chicago, just because another very female driven, powerful show with a lot of badass women. Yeah. Um, also a, a dream role of mine is in that show. Amos. Uh, Roxy Hart. Yeah. Or Bill um, McKellen, honestly. So uh, this is a two-part answer uh, okay. or has two different answers. Okay. Um, what are your, what are your t- dream roles? One of them being non-realistic. Like you, you just can't do it. Um, usually it's because like it's a different gender or, or whatever. Like, so mine is Cole House Walker Jr. That is my uh, yeah. all time, yeah. like dream role that I can't ever do. And then what is your realistic like dream role, like one that like you can do it or like um, you feel like you can do it. Um, So right off the top of my head, dream role comes up is Kathy from the last five years. Cause like I'm in like the perfect age range. And also that show is just like so incredibly powerful and, and, and so many different ways. Um, So Kathy is the one that I want that I, that's attainable for me. Um, One that's not attainable. Um, I think it would be really fun to be like one of the men from like, Miz, like Marius, I think would be a really, really fun role. Another one that comes to mind is uh, Hairspray is one of my favorite shows. Um, and Matrix, or no, oh God, what is her name? Uh, Motormouth Mayville, because the song I Know Where I've Been is mm-hmm. so powerful. But I mean, I could never do that yeah. and I would never do it justice. But it's, yes, very good roles. Anyways. Yeah. Um, who is your celebrity theater crush? Oh, God. Um, Either currently or was at one point. At one point, okay, so for a very, very long time, I had a, a very big theater crush on both Aaron Tabay and Jerry, Jeremy Jordan. Um, more, I don't know if this is a crush as much as it's like admiration, um, but I really like Sherry Renee Scott, and I also really, really like Lindsay Mendez. So those aren't crushes per se, but like I have a mad respect for like how talented they are. Yeah, that, that's how I am about, about Jeremy Jordan and uh and like and jonathan groff they just have oh, like jonathan groff! so i'm gonna i'm gonna enter to, I, I was gonna go off and talk about hamilton but i don't want this to be like a two and a half hour long podcast um <laughs> but i rewatched it last night for nice. the third yeah. time he doesn't blink in that in that first song oh no it's, it's creepy as heck like yeah no i know he because it's a super close-up and he's looking dead in the camera and he doesn't blink. And I'm just like, I'm terrified of this man. Right I'm now. also just like so amazingly impressed that like he like hit those marks, man. Like he knew where the camera was. Like he knew what he knew what he was doing. And like, it's amazing to me that he did so much with like so little movement. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't move that much. It was literally, and like he didn't even give that many facial expressions, but like mm-hmm. the story that he was able to tell. Mm-hmm. With what? Oh man, he's incredible. And I love the fact that like he gets, you know, or whoever plays that that character is like, um, you know, gets the the highest equity paycheck a week, which I think is I don't know what it is. It's a lot 
Yeah. Maybe not so much for New York City, but it's like a lot for a weekly paycheck. Um, and he's only on stage for nine minutes. Yeah. Like, um, but he's some people's favorite characters, and which is like, um, and f- I I strive to be on stage for nine minutes and to be like a like beloved across the entire world. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't King George on Broadway when they filmed it. Uh, uh I think I did know that. It yeah. was um, I can't think of his name now. Was it Brian Darcy? No, it was the one before that. Um, it's like the Irish sounding name, O'Reilly or Rory, something like that. Rory, somewhere is in that name. I'll have to anyway. Uh, but he stepped. He was in. He was in. Um, he was one of the brothers in. Uh, what's Book of Mormon? I almost oh, said what's, oh. like, like what's that Mormon show? Book of Mormon. Um, Mormon show, good. And uh, but he stepped down for those three days so that. Um, Gross sauce can come back yeah. in and do it. Um, cool. So back to theater, celebrity theater crush. Um, what is something that you've always wanted to do on stage, but you haven't been able to? Um, uh, actually do a dance number and or do a fight scene. That is also my answer. I really want to do a fight scene. Yeah. Like a, like a, or, or like uh, whether it's hand to hand or like a sword like a sword fight that'd be i feel like with swords would be really fun <laughs> yeah um what is your favorite underrated show that's a really hard question um oh god the first one that came to mind is dog fight which Lind- which is Lindsay mendez um and it came to mind because she's got this really really heart-wrenching song called um pretty funny i'm not gonna go into it and explain it because i I'm not going to do it, but you should listen to it. Dogfight oh. is my answer. You're not going to do it because you would cry. Uh, I wouldn't cry, but I would take too long to explain it, and I wouldn't do as good of a job as just listening to the actual song. Yeah, I think mine is, um, at least off the top of my head right now, is Assassins. Oh, that's a good show. I Great feel that. Show. Um, yeah. it's, it's underrated because I don't think a lot of people, like when, they, when people think Stephen Sondheim, they're like, uh, into the woods. We need Todd. Uh, we need Todd. Company. Assassins is great. It's like a great story. It's just like it shouldn't oh, yeah. do well, but it's. I also it's didn't so realize good. that it was Sondheim for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. He has his. Um, I have this thing, and I haven't like done the research mainly because I'm not I'm not good enough for, like music theory to really look into like really do any type of research into this. But I feel like there's like a a measure in every song or in every show that's like it's like Sondheim. It's like. It's like, oh, you can hear this one measure, two measure, like run in like yeah. every Sondheim show. Um, yeah. And I can't, I can't ever think of it until I hear it in a show. I'm like, oh. You're like, oh, there it is. Like yep. um, last night when I was watching Hamilton, it was the first time I heard a little riff that Washington does in um, Teach Him How to Say Goodbye. That is a total Jonathan Larson riff. Like, it's just like, a, a, I can't do it, but it's like, because... It's the one at the end. Yeah, it's not the one, it's not the very end. It's towards the end, but it's not his towards last it. one. But he just does this little riff that I'm like, oh, that's a Jonathan Larson riff. And yeah. um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a big Jonathan Larson fan. Um, and so I was like, oh, there it was. There it is. That's also something that's very impressive to me is like the amount of other musicals that Lin-Manuel managed to like put into or like make reference to mm-hmm. it. Hamilton like there are some that I'm still just now picking up on. yeah yeah um and same thing with like and I don't know hip-hop and rap enough to like be able to pick all these out but like all the 
uh, little things that he does to like that he does for other rappers too. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, and like nods to different like styles of hip hop. It's very yeah. impressive. Yeah, I may have to do a whole podcast on Hamilton and just like get you a should. bunch of people yeah, on and just. Um, I was thinking like one way, like just having a bunch of people watch it, like at the same time, just like pause it at certain points and be like, da, 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 da. And it, it really would be, it really would be like a three hour podcast. Yeah, but, it would be very long. Um, yeah. Uh, it's so good. Anyway, that is for, that's for, uh, another, another podcast episode. Um, so before I wrap this up, I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask everybody. Okay. Um, and it's, it's simple. It's why theater? Um, oh man, don't make me cry. You're right here at the end. It's okay if you cry. Um, We're okay. all friends here. It's okay. Um, I think that, so when I was talking about my, the beginning of my journey, like back, not the beginning, but like sort of the beginning of my journey back in Charlotte. Um, I, so when I was living in Charlotte, I didn't have, like, I didn't have a really big network of people. I didn't like, I, I wasn't really like enjoying the job that I had at the time. And so I was in a really, really rough place and theater was able to kind of not only provide me with a network of people, but it also just kind of, you know, gave me an escape from the things that were like the things that were going on in my life. And like, I feel that like, no matter what I'm going, like really no matter what I'm going through in my life, you know, if I'm happy, sad, mad, whatever, I always have theater, if that makes sense. And like, I have been so fortunate to like, you know, to be involved with a lot of really great shows. And I've been very fortunate to meet a lot of really great people. So like on top of having theater as an outlet for myself, it's also allowed me to build this incredible, incredible network of people that like I wouldn't trade for anything. And I think that that's just the power of theater and the power of the people who are involved with it. That was beautifully put. Thanks. Beautiful. I didn't cry. Aren't you proud of me? I am very proud of you. Proud that you, <laughs> that you uh, didn't get verklempt. Uh, verklempt. Verklempt. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's the question I ask everybody, and it's probably my favorite question because it's so many different answers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, and especially, I think, I think one thing that we all are realizing is our answer to that question right now. Like, yeah. Like I think most of us have an answer. I feel like everybody has an answer to that, but they have to think about it. But I think, you know, over the last four months, um, especially since, I mean, you were in the middle of a show, you were in performances. I was two weeks out from tech week, Dylan, same show. He was two weeks out from tech week and he had his summer, his summer planned out. And so gigged out. And so did I, um, yeah. so like we've had nothing but time to really think of why theater is and why it's important, why yeah. it's so important to us. Um, support the arts people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And check um, on your theater friends and yeah. let, make sure that they're doing okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Audrey or Audrey, Audrey, uh, this has been so fun. I'm glad that I could, uh, get you on the podcast. Um, and if I do the Hamilton uh, episode, I will be reaching out. Um, cause I'm All sure, right. I'm sure I've got lots of hot takes. Yeah. And, uh, who knows, maybe, maybe I could have 
this is crazy that I'm thinking that maybe I can have like another podcast where it's just people watching musical theater and oh man, I would love our that. own opinions in it. Because um, you know, usually I joke, oh yeah, I have plenty of time. But now I do. Like, I have plenty of time. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I literally work and run now. That's about it. That's about what yeah, I do. Yeah, you have a triathlon coming up, right? On Sunday, yeah. First, um, yeah, and I think this is the episode that's coming out before it. So, yeah. So, nice. It'll be my um, first triathlon ever. So wish me luck, everyone. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's it's not one of those where hundreds of people can be at the finish line as you cross. But, no, uh, I yeah, wish no, I could. If, I would be there. People can be. I would be there if um, if we were allowed. But uh, good luck on that. Thanks. Please do not break a leg. That'd be. Um, yeah, no, I'm actually not going to do that. <laughs> but uh, but thanks so much for uh, for coming on. And I need to get over to the new house. I need to see you, Cooper, and Dylan in that order. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're welcome anytime. Uh, and Nicole, of course. Um, so. Uh, for those listening, thanks for coming on and listening uh, to me and Audrey just sit and chat. We hadn't talked for a while. Um, get this episode and all other episodes anywhere, uh, almost anywhere that you can get podcasts. Uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Um, just look up Standby Go. Um, and you can also watch the video um, on YouTube. So until next time. <laughs>